when I was a young boy, the mascot of my Christian school was the Crusaders. I always wondered, and no one would tell me, who were the original Crusaders and what they did. So let's learn today about Crusades on this episode of The Gospel Gumbo. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. Help me out by rating and reviewing the podcast on your podcast app to help others find the podcast. And don't forget to hit follow so that you never miss an episode as well. Okay, let's get to today's episode. The Crusades were a series of holy wars fought between the 11th and 13th centuries. They were a defining moment in medieval Europe, European history. Originating from the call of Pope Urban II in 1095, the Crusades were intended to reclaim the Holy Land from Muslim control and to ensure the safety of Christian pilgrims. However, these military expeditions had far-reaching consequences, shaping the political, economic, and cultural landscape of Europe and the Middle East. European Christians in the Middle Ages loved to make pilgrimages to the Holy Land to see where Jesus and his disciples walked. And these pilgrimages were not so much vacation or even education, but rather religious devotion. So when Islam grew and took control of the Holy Land, Christian pilgrims then were harassed. Ancient holy sites were destroyed and European Christians became outraged. The Crusades began as a way to take back control of the Holy Land from the Muslims. The first crusade, which began in 1096, marked the genesis of this grand endeavor. Picture a diverse coalition of European knights, peasants, and clergy united by a common cause to reclaim the Holy Land from the Muslim control and ensure the safety of Christian pilgrims. Their journey was filled with hardships, but their unwavering religious fervor propelled them forward. And finally, in 1099, the Crusaders captured Jerusalem and created a coalition of Christian territories to be controlled by Western Christians. This top-down leadership faced a lot of opposition from the local people and from the Eastern Christians nearby from the very beginning. They also had significant opposition, of course, from the Muslim powers, like the Seljuk Turks and later the Ayyubid dynasty led by Saladin. With all this political and military pressure, the newly formed Christian state of Edessa was shortly reclaimed by Muslim forces of Zengi. Christian European leaders understood the First Crusade as a huge success, both religiously and morally. So when Edessa was taken back by the Muslims, they initiated the Second Crusade, which aimed to retake Edessa and strengthen the Christian presence in the area. The Second Crusade was led by prominent European leaders, including King Louis VII of France and the Holy Roman Emperor Conrad III. Unlike the First Crusade, which saw the participation of a diverse coalition, the Second Crusade primarily involved the French and German constituents. The Crusaders embarked on another challenging journey across Europe, facing logistical difficulties, harsh weather conditions, and attacks from local populations along the way. Upon reaching the Holy Land, the Crusaders faced setbacks and failed to achieve their main objective— of recapturing Edessa. They suffered a significant defeat at the hands of Muslim forces led by Nur ad-Din, and he, uh, who was the son and successor of Zengi. 
The Crusaders' lack of coordination and their underestimation of the enemy's strength contributed to their defeat. And after the failed campaign, many Crusaders returned to their homelands disillusioned and demoralized. So with this defeat, the Crusader territories realized the need for stronger alliances and support from European powers to survive in the hostile region. The Christian territories continued to battle local communities from within and also from uh, Muslim forces without. The Battle of Hatton in 1187 resulted in the loss of Jerusalem, leading to the Third Crusade, sometimes known as the King's Crusade. Prominent European leaders such as Richard the Lionheart, Philip II, and Frederick Barbarossa joined forces to reclaim the holy city. Though they didn't achieve their ultimate goal, they uh, negotiated a truce with the Muslim leader Saladin, ensuring Christian pilgrims' access to the holy sites, which was more or less observed at different times in different places. Beyond the Third Crusade, subsequent crusades took place, each with its own triumphs, failures, and controversies. The Fourth Crusade, for instance, famously deviated from its original objective, and they actually attacked the Christian city of Constantinople and sacked the capital city. Constantinople was controlled by Western Christians for 50 years before being taken back by Eastern Christians. This became a pivotal moment that further strained relationships between the Eastern Orthodox Christianity and Western Catholicism, which is a topic for another episode. The subsequent crusades were smaller, less organized, and less impactful. Historians generally count nine major crusades, but if you count smaller operations, the number could get pretty high. But the first four were certainly the most impactful. Historians note that there has been a lot of talk about smaller crusade, a smaller crusade made mostly of children, and while this is often reported, there's not much good evidence that it was real. It's there's probably a kernel of truth and then a whole lot of exaggeration along with that one. So why would people leave their homes to go on such crusades? Well, some of them had religious fervor. These were understood as holy wars, and this was a way to show your love for God. This was not the reason, though, that most people went. Pope Urban II promised that all your sins would be forgiven automatically if you participated in the First Crusade and that you would go straight to heaven if you died. Now, that was incredibly attractive to a lot of people. But after so many failures, it attracted fewer and fewer people in subsequent crusades. Some people were sick of their life circumstances or just knew they had no future where they were, and so they were just looking for new adventure. Anyway, the Crusades were not just about military expeditions. They had far-reaching impacts on Europe, the Middle East, and beyond. Economically, they facilitated trade and cultural exchange, opening avenues for the flow of goods and ideas. Culturally, they sparked a fascination with the East, leading to the transmission of knowledge, art, and technology. Crusaders who returned from home often brought cultural treasures, such as books, art, and stories. And that helped to spark the European Renaissance. Religiously, the Crusades deepened divisions between Christians and Muslims, and along with the divisions between Western and Eastern Christians. Christians in recent centuries have resoundingly condemned the Crusades, and rightly so. This is not how Jesus taught us to treat our enemies. Even when our enemies are so brutal as Muslims were at the time, 
As one author put it, the Crusades were, quote, a belated military response of Christian Europe to over three centuries of Muslim aggression against Christian lands. The systemic treatment of the indigenous Christian populations of those lands and harassment of Christian pilgrims to the Holy Land. End quote. And while that certainly is true, Jesus taught us to love our enemies. Christians disagree about when violence is appropriate, but we all agree that large amounts of diplomacy precede any violence, and that simply didn't happen in these centuries. On the other hand, let's try to be charitable. Theological reflection on the immorality of the Crusades led to just war theory as we know it today, and hopefully we can learn from the devastating moral and military failures of the Crusades. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. I would love to make season two, but I need to make sure that it is worthwhile. So I'm paying attention to three things. Downloads, feedback, and money. It costs money to publish a podcast and not a small amount of work. Now, if you'll give me just $5 once, I'll give you your own private podcast link that will have all the episodes from season one without any advertising, plus 10 extra bonus episodes. At various levels, you'll also get a lot of other cool stuff. Now, I'm not looking for a subscription, just a one-time purchase that will help me to know that this podcast has been helpful and that you would like me to make another season. Look for the show notes of this episode to find the link to give money. Podcasts are getting gobbled up by big corporations and conglomerates. Independent podcasters like me need your support. Thanks so much.